welcome to Kvasir's Corner. Uh, my name is Jacob, and I will be uh, one of your guides into the complex and wonderful world that is the Viking Age. Uh, join me today as our co-hosts uh, are Fox and Jay. Why don't you go ahead and sound off, introduce yourselves for us. Uh, okay, I'm Fox, and I'm uh, something of an academic, but not entirely. I enjoy playing a viking more than i enjoy talking about it <laughs> but i do pick up a lot of information just in general about the viking age so i'm jay uh i am also something of a viking academic uh fox and i run in the same viking reenactment group um i'm a part of a couple other groups um it's just become it was it was something that started as as a fun little hobby and now i spend a lot of money on it <laughs> don't we all yeah um so as always kvasser's corner is presented by the viking encampment um if you would like to follow us on social media you can find us on facebook at viking encampment on instagram at viking encampment uh on twitter at viking encamp mn uh, that that's right i believe that's right yeah that's right. Yeah. Uh, on TikTok at Viking Encampment MN. And if you enjoy uh, programs such as this or our uh, other programs, such as our Hell or High Water uh, Dungeons and Dragons podcast, uh, yeah, it's a great time. Episodes every Friday. Um, but if you enjoy this program and programs like that, please consider um, donating to our Patreon or subscribing to our Patreon. Uh, which you can find um, on Patreon at Viking Encampment. So I believe that is all the social media plugs that I need to do today. All right. Yeah. So uh, we will get down to the topic of the day, and that is fact or fantasy, dispelling some myths and misconceived notions about the Viking Age. So as, you know, reenactors and, you know, Patrons of Viking history, we come across our fair share of um, misconceptions and inaccuracies, I would say. I'd say that's fair, right? Yep. That's a way to say it. <laughs> yeah, uh, probably putting it mildly for, for yeah. sure. Um, so what's important to kind of understand about the these misconceptions is that they are... Um, based off of a long, um, several hundred year history of kind of inaccurate history and archeology span mixed in with a lot of other um, concepts and movements. So I'll briefly- You mean people were briefly. making stuff up? Yeah, people were making stuff up. Yeah. <laughs> Would you believe that historically people were taking one thing and making up an entire culture? Yep. That that sounds dumb. That sounds fake. I know. It sounds completely fake. It's fake news, but no, it is not fake news. It happened. <laughs> the fake news fake is dead. News. Yeah, the original fake news. Um, so just very briefly, I'll go into kind of kind of that whole thing about where these common misconceptions about Vikings came from. And then we'll try to dispel some of those looking at modern media and things like that. So the common perception of the Viking 
being a you know hairy long-haired bearded muscly barbarian from the north who doesn't wear a shirt has a double-headed battle axe and you know drinks the blood of his enemies out of a skull that all began that perception basically did begin in the viking age um because the people who recorded the history were the victims of viking attacks you know predominantly um scribes from christian monasteries or uh, maybe the the occasional nobleman from england or france wrote an account about a viking raid and as you can imagine they weren't very nice in their depiction of the vikings who were burning their their crops and raiding their villages and whatnot so yeah they were pretty mad at the uh at, they were mad because we were so pretty that's the Yes, yeah. that that is also true. Yeah, um, I, kinda, you know, I don't, the, I don't blame them. <laughs> I don't blame them for being mad. The Vikings were a gorgeous group of people. Heck yeah. Um, you know, contrary to that popular stigma of the Viking being dirty and grimy and all that, uh, the the Vikings were actually one of the most clean uh, societies of people in Europe at the time. Uh, they would bathe every week. Every Saturday is um, believed to have been bath day. Lager's um, dog. dog, yeah. Um, that is, it literally means bath day, doesn't it? Or something it related? Does, yeah, it Long's means dog. like bathing yeah. day. Day of yeah, bathing. The day of cleaning. Lager's dog, yeah. Uh, so they bathed regularly. Um, archaeological finds have found a lot of combs, a lot of... Um, Implements for like cleaning out wax and build up from the ears and um, the ear for- spoon. The ear spoon. It's they delightful. had toothpicks as well. Yes, they had toothpicks. Um, what else? Uh, combs obviously were a mm-hmm. very big deal in the archaeology. Um, things they had, for uh, they they used lye to dye their hair. Yep, yep. They were very very um, involved in their personal appearance, to say the least. Yeah. Um, so, hey, just right there, we've just busted a myth. Myth Woo! busted. I think we did. We could make a show about about busting myths. Do you think? I think so. There's a market for that. I think there I is. Think, I think there could be. I I know a guy. He's got a great right. mustache and he wears a nice hat. Okay. Uh, cool. He, yeah. Let's. He can uh, I'll out. I'll look about. I'll look and see if there's any uh, patents already for that. I'll get back to you. Right. Yeah. Any copy? I'm sure there's not. Who who would have done that? Yeah, it's completely original. Yes, completely. Uh, so anyway, uh, first myth busted. But uh, so back in the the Viking age, just depictions and descriptions were already uh, highly inaccurate, just because they were coming from the victims of the Viking raids. Um, the Vikings, as we'll explore in an, another episode, didn't kind of have a system of. They had a system of writing but they didn't write down records as they did in continental Europe mm-hmm. or in England. So most of the written artifacts, which historians used to piece together history were written uh, by the victims of the Vikings. And so the depictions weren't always nice. So jumping ahead in time, oh, uh, a long time, about a thousand years actually, uh, to what in England is known as the Victorian era, so probably about the um, 19th, 20th century, uh, you start to see a kind of revival of medieval history 
uh, being studied and being, um, uh, what's the word? Just having an, an interest analyzed. in the Yeah, analyzed, having an interest in that period again. Uh, this was coming off of the Age of Enlightenment, where the history of the Romans and the Greeks and the, the classic studies were um, were of interest and were being analyzed. To be, and then we, to be very, what, very specific in Europe. Yes. Yes. Thank you There's very much. There's a lot much. of stuff going on in the world, but this yes, is I, I should I should say, I should preface, we are taking a Eurocentric um, view on this discussion today. A lot of history that's happened. Um, and a lot of it is, you know, congruent with each other, running parallel with each other. So for the, the focus of today, we are taking a Eurocentric looking at Europe and the Western world. Um, but yes, thank you for, for reminding me about that, Fox. That is very important to know. Um, so in Europe, uh, the classical studies of the Greeks and Romans were popular and then moved into what is known as Romanticism, which was a study and an interest in kind of a, the natural world and the individual's um, emotional state and kind of, to put it simply, a kind of state of liberty, a state of freedom for the individual. And at this time, we're seeing a bunch of the revolutions in Europe, like the French Revolution, the American Revolution was about uh, this time period as well. And so for the uh, Romantic movement, they hearkened to medieval history to kind of gain their inspiration because they felt that medieval history and the medieval period was much more in tune with the natural world. It was a more natural kind of order of humanity, um, which, of course, has its own connotations and inaccuracies. But that's not even in the realm of this podcast. So we'll save that for someone else. Wasn't this around the um, time of Rousseau's like noble savage ideas and all that kind of exactly. stuff? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. It was that the noble savage of Rousseau is the time of individual liberty, uh, Locke and Montesquieu and all those those good uh, yeah. all those good thinkers of the period. Um, and so then tied into romanticism came, came the notion of romantic nationalism. So romantic nationalism is this European movement of trying to create national identities in terms of like a nation state. So creating a British identity, a German identity, a French identity, and so on. And the major player in this, or the major factor that led to this movement, was the creation of common mythology and uh, folklore. So something that a group of people can look to and say, yes, that is ours, that is our culture, and that is our heritage, which, again, has its major share of issues from this period through to the 1940s. Again, that's a separate podcast. We might touch on it more in a different episode, but that's also outside of the realms of this show. <clears throat> but so this idea of romantic nationalism was timed, some might say, imperfectly or perfectly, depending on where you where you stand on the issue, with the finding of a lot of Viking artifacts. So, for example, the uh, Usiburg and the Gokstad ships, 
um, that were found in Norway were found during this time period of romantic nationalism. And so finding these gigantic ornate artifacts of, of Viking culture long since past um, really inspired these nationalist movements, uh, specifically in Northwest Europe, so the British Isles and Germany, uh, to kind of harken back to this time period as this is our heritage, this is our folklore and our mythology. And so at the time, historical study was not as academically rigorous and they didn't have the same sort of standards. So taking one misconception that I think is just kind of a throwaway, we all know it's a misconception, the horned Viking helmet. Uh, uh, that don't even of, get me started recently. You I know. It's going to be a casual conversation and <laughs> yeah. my blood is boiling. Yep. Yeah, I know. I, I, yeah, <laughs> this is not casual anymore. Um, but so the Viking helmet. Um, that was taken from, excuse me, got to get the cats out of here. Edit that out. <laughs> no, leave it in. Yeah, leave in the cats. Uh, so the, the Viking horned helmet was taken and created into pop culture because there's a tapestry uh, that was found at, I believe, the Usaberg burial. And in this tapestry, there's a depiction of a, a person wearing a helmet that has horns on it. And then there is a second depiction uh, on a helmet. I'd have to look up to be certain uh, where it was found. But there's a depiction on an actual helmet that didn't have horns of someone wearing a helmet with horns. So there were two depictions that taken out of context someone would think oh so they always wore horned helmets mm -hmm. and so the popular romantic nationalism of the period took it and ran with it and were just like this is they had horned helmets this is it and so then that became part of the popular mythos of the vikings for these nationalistic movements um, another thing tied into those romantic, romantic nationalist, excuse me, movements uh, was uh, the creation of, well, not the creation of German opera, but, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Uh, Wagner. Wagner, yes, Wagner. Uh, so Richard Wagner's depictions of Norse mythology and Viking peoples in his operas showing them as the kind of hairy, horned-headed barbarians that were believed at the time to have been accurate to the Vikings. Um, so that's kind of a, an attempt at a concise summary of where these depictions began and how they continued. Um, and, you know, you see these depictions from Wagner uh, and his his operas, the hairy barbarians with the horned helmets, the big brutish warriors, and you see that carried through all the way to 2021. It has persisted for what? That's almost 150 years. At least say. seven we, years. I, I believe least... Bugs Bunny. Yeah, oh, Bugs, yeah. Bunny. Bugs Bunny killed a wabbit. Killed a wabbit. <laughs> 
you know, it's always Bugs fault. It's it's always. his fault. Um, but the a potential reason and an actually very strong reason for this continuation, even though archaeology, wow, I cannot speak archaeology and uh, historical study has improved our understanding of the Vikings is that the press media that was coming out at the same time as Wagner's operas really solidified that image of Vikings in popular culture. And since there was no other kind of information at the time, people just ran with it. And by the time that academics and history and actual study were, were able to counter it, it became so ingrained in popular culture that it couldn't really be separated easily. People would fight for that perception, that incorrect perception of what they saw in that 1960s movie or what they see on History Channel or or whatever the case may be, just because it became so ingrained in the popular culture for 50 years, for 150 years, Mm -hmm. uh, without any pushback. And so that's where we find ourselves today um, in this this world where Vikings are inaccurately portrayed, even though we all kind of know better, at least within the the community um, of reenactment or playing with the Viking age, we all kind of know better. But despite that, um, the misconceptions are still prevalent. So that is what we're here today to do, is shed some light on these misconceptions, and hopefully give a a better picture of what the life of a person in the Viking age might have been like. So wow. uh, there, there's my academic diatribe right. for for this episode. Beautiful. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Good overview. So, uh, so I wanted to bring up, uh, we talked about uh, women and their roles, um, and it fits in nicely with this or dovetails because the dig that brought up the Burka warrior that everybody's yep. talking about was in 1918. No, it was before this, the first world war, but it was right around the 1900s. Mm-hmm. So they dug these, all these, I think about half or a quarter of the graves in Burka, they dug them up and they documented them and everything else. And they said, Oh, look at all these men. Uh, with all these weapons in there, you know, and then they pretty much stuck it all in a closet <laughs> and they started going through them now recently again and finding all these, um, all this information and the fact that the Berka warrior was in fact a woman because of, you know, we know DNA, which they didn't have back then, but mm-hmm. just all these assumptions that are made based on, um, well, they're based on assumptions because they didn't have any women in their research, you know, in their archaeology, archaeological uh, uh, faculty, probably back in the 1900s, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So I always like to use that as a really good example of why we need women in STEM. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, because they didn't even realize they had assumed it. They just, oh, of course. So. Yeah, exactly. And there's also that um, in in early academics of the time, there was that kind of perception that um, looking at it from a more kind of Anglo-Saxon lens, uh, you know, women wouldn't fight 
in, in, in Anglo-Saxon society, at least not as prevalently as in the Viking society. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. And they they came they in with that. What was that? I was saying since they were the ones who were writing down the like the interactions they had with the Vikings, they were able to write basically whatever the heck they wanted, and so they were able to say, "Oh, there weren't women there," because that would be ridiculous. Women can't exactly. fight. Well, that and they lost. So, like, if yeah. there were women so they there were and they lost, upset about it. <laughs> yeah. So you know, academics until. Fairly recently, I don't have a date for that, but fairly recently, academics have looked at Norse culture and Norse society through a continental European feudal mm -hmm. kind of hyper-masculine lens when <laughs> yeah. the Viking, the society that the Vikings came from was much more complex than that. So, you know, of course, there's weapons. It's a guy, you know. Um, yeah. But that, that of course, isn't isn't the case as science has been able to teach us. Mm -hmm. um, not to mention yeah, that just, not even all men were warriors back then. Exactly. So if yeah, you find not, a small subset of a small subset of women, uh, yeah, mm -hmm. but it's not that it's not, it's uncommon, but so was everything. <laughs> exactly. And yeah. kind of going off of, ducktailing off of Fox's thing, another misconception about the Viking Age is that they're big, these big brutish warriors who just went around killing everyone they saw, when reality, a lot of them were, were farmhands or were merchants or just had very mundane jobs. Because you can't run in society strictly off of fighting and killing everything you see. Someone has to make food. So it's just kind of common sense at a, to a point. But again, because the only people who are writing a lot of the history down was the people who are being attacked by them. That's the only thing history remembered for a very long time. They do, they do spin it like, you know, because the Vikings were also explorers. So you spin it like that. Mm. It wasn't just trading, it was exploring. They're like, what the heck is out there? And they yeah. went. Well, and so. I mean, because like I said, they were all, a lot of them were farmers. And if you've ever mm. been to Scandinavia, it's not... Or northern... The, just northern Europe in general, not great for farming, at least not for a long-term <laughs> situation. Or north of the Twin Cities in Minnesota. Yeah, basically. Mm, yeah. Same stuff. So, so they were like, we we got to get out of here. We got to go find somewhere where I can grow my wheat. Yeah. If you've ever picked rocks in a field for three days, it yep. sucks. Yeah. Every single spring. So yeah, finding a place that you could not have to pick rocks would be awesome. <laughs> Very much. I'd, so. I'd sail across. I'd sail into the unknown for that. Yeah, into the unknown. Copyright. Can't <laughs> sing it. Oh, can't do it. I was about That's to. I was going to start singing Frozen. Episode so. one is now episode the end. <laughs> Thanks. The can't do it anymore. Slap Disney's it. coming after us. Um. So. Speaking of Disney, um, why don't we go and kind of look at um, media depictions more individually and um, see what we can kind of pick out from them about what's wrong or maybe what's right? Because maybe some things they manage to get right either on purpose or by accident. Mm -hmm. um, so I Is would Bugs suggest... Bunny because... <laughs> Bugs Bunny again? Oh, yeah. I am well versed yeah. in Bugs Bunny. All right, well, why don't why don't you start us off with Bugs Bunny? Did he get anything right? I mean, there uh, were rabbits yes. in the way. <laughs> of course. Well, uh, 
you know, they used, they did actually the, the ring saga that the Bugs Bunny um, episode is based off of Wagner. It, he did actually faithfully represent the, uh, the ring cycle, which is, you know, the myth mythos of um, Odin. And we get a lot of our concepts of Valhalla and everything else from that. Um, the things they did right, they, the horned elements were wrong, but they did did use they use spears instead of swords a lot um they uh did represent the that women were warriors <laughs> in that one too because that was the way the story went or Val, or valkyries were you know what i think they might have gotten that wrong because there is some discussion whether valkyries were warriors or if they were just powerful women who came down and took the souls of the of the slain but yeah yeah, yeah i like to think I've heard about that um, <laughs> i've heard about that discussion i also like the idea of them being warriors i haven't read into that too much but i'll, I'll have to for when we do our official uh, women yeah. episode yeah um so but they you know they got uh, the ring this the spirit magic helmet you know <laughs> mm -hmm. um all that stuff was was pretty accurate Oh, and they did get the uh, a lot of men cross-dressed in in, uh... <laughs> but that's in plays, that's in uh, mm -hmm. in theater. Yeah, there is there is it's one. It's not Viking. <laughs> there is one. Uh, I'm trying to think if it was Neil Price who wrote in his new book um, about one find where a body was dressed in uh, women's garb what would traditionally be a women's women's clothing, uh, but uh, was biologically a man uh, based on the DNA sequence sequencing. Um, so there, there might be something kind of more to that idea of cross, some sort of not cross dressing as we consider it in the 21st century, right. but some, some sort of semblance of that. Of transgender. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. Gender. Uh, uh, uh non-conformity yeah. yeah yeah and there i'd have to go back and read that that passage of the book again. yeah that's um, another whole episode that we can talk about yeah that, that's a different episode <laughs> altogether oh we've got so many episodes coming out of this one episode it's mm -hmm. awesome so great uh, so hey, no. did it right <clears throat> all right so uh how about Moving along into the kind of more modern media, the big one. Got to talk about the big one. Got to talk about History Channel's Vikings. Yeah. You know, you knew it was coming with the title of the episode. You knew it was <laughs> going to be here. So I'll just start off and say Ragnar Lothbrook did not do everything in the Vikings that ever happened. What? Yeah. I know. What? What? His sons. <laughs> his sons? Oh, uh, they didn't even talk about the actual sons. <laughs> okay. So, uh, first off, Ragnar Lothbrook. He is maybe kind of an am amalgamation of several. Uh, his history is kind of still out on that one. But what is known most certainly is that his big achievement was the raid on Paris. Uh, the raid on Paris, uh, 
well, there were a lot of raids on Paris. Yeah. Uh, Ragnar's raid on Paris took place in 845 uh, CE. And, you know, I'm trying to think. I haven't watched the History Channel Vikings in so long. So I'm I, trying to think I, I got to, like, season four and I had to stop. Yeah. So I'm trying to think back to the Paris raids. Um, from what I remember of it, the depiction of the battle itself was fairly accurate, if I'm remembering my sources correctly. I might have to go back and rewatch it just to just to see. Uh, so the depiction of the battle itself seemed fairly accurate with the, the ship, um, siege towers going up the Seine and uh, attacking the walls and all, all of that. Um, so that, that in my, my view, seemed accurate. However, Ragnar did not attack Lindisfarne in 793. Um, and all of the events with... Oh, I don't even know what season that was. Um, whenever he was going to Mercia to fight for King Eckbert and all that nonsense, does that ring a bell? Or am I... Yeah. Was that a yep. fever dream? Uh, that was, that was yeah, no, that happened. Okay. None of that happened. At least not for Ragnar. Ragnar. Yeah, he didn't do um, it. Somebody did. No. Oh, oh, so much to go into that one too. So <laughs> I really should have rewatched the show so that I had episodes and things. We'll do but, a watch party. Yeah, we'll do a watch party. We'll do a live stream and it'll be great. And we'll just that point would be out so the fun. We should we should actually do that. That'd be that would be a lot of fun. Yeah, that would. Um, so in that that kind of story arc where Ragnar and Rolo and the gang are going to Mercia to fight for Wessex and all that, that battle where they're going up the river and there's armies on both sides and they attack one side of the river and then um, scare the other side away. That did happen to Ragnar, but that happened while he was going to Paris. So, you know, my, Michael Hurst, the writer of Vikings, is very irritating to me because he takes aspects that are right and, you know, accurate to historical accounts. And he messes them up just enough where it's still believable. And people can find it and be like, yeah, that happened. But it's not correct. Eh, and you have to do that for TV in his no. defense. He did have to do that for TV? Yes, uh, pacing-wise. You know. Yeah. I suppose so. You have to collapse a bunch of stuff for one guy because nobody's going to watch a show with, like, the next episode is like, oh, this is somebody else now. What's his backstory? Okay, now we get the backstory. And we got five minutes for the rest of the show. Okay. kind of did that. (laughs) Everyone was dying. You had to just keep up. Yeah. That that is that. You know, but as... As an academic who's read the saga of Ragnar Lothbrok and has read that whole mythos, I don't see why you couldn't make that the show because, you know, it ties in to um, the Volsung saga, which is a huge, uh, I mean, in terms of the years that it covers, it's a very expansive work. It ties into that. Um, But, you know, I don't work in digital media. I don't work as a writer for TV or film. So there's probably something I don't understand. Yeah, probably the marketing thing. Yeah, they probably wanted to cover the entire uh, 
span of the Viking Age. They probably started out with that in mind. Mm. And that being the case, you you know, how they accelerated things, how they made Rollo, you know, Ragnar's yeah. brother. Yeah. Instead of just letting him come along 200 years later, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's it stinks because there are serious constraints you know you've got to write write a really interesting scene that lasts what 14 minutes and then and then commercial break so you've got to somehow you know mm-hmm. um unfortunately you can't just uh wagner i think kind of cheated in a way because he he's like oh well check out my opera i got it all in it's five hours long mm-hmm. <laughs> oh and then the other one the next one is also five hours long oh and then they the, <laughs> You know, it'll take a whole day to watch the entire ring cycle. Yeah, yeah. I mean, people didn't have as much stuff to do back then, maybe? I don't know. I mean, it's kind of just like the sitting least. down. It's, it's almost like sitting down to watch the entire Lord of the Rings series with, like, yeah. director's cut. It's basically about about that long. I think Lord of the Rings mm. is a little longer. Yeah. That's the, the whole thing, but yeah. Each yeah. Ep- yeah. So something else going off of Ragnar Lothbrok because I've got Google Images pulled up right now. I want to talk mm-hmm. about their clothing. Yes, Can do I, that. Do that now. Oh, yes. Oh my gosh! First of all, I'm seeing a lot of leather, and it's uh-huh. in a lot of places that don't make mm-hmm. sense. Why would they wear leather skinny pants? Like that's not a thing. Because that's what the bikers wear, Jay. Yeah, I guess they wear those it makes the time around it the makes, house. It makes the, the pretty lady Vikings their butts look good, I guess. I guess. But, I love how they don't breathe. Yeah, <laughs> right? They don't breathe. Oh, oh take it heaven. Lagertha's Lagertha's um, uh, leather corset armor. Yep, corset, because you got to cinch that waist. Don't want anything hanging out. Uh, yeah. yeah. That's something uh, I've course, struggled with. Yeah, of course, they've got like, the furs that go all the way up to their ears. Um. Yeah, it's a most most Vikings uh wore linen or wool, and it was very <laughs> simple clothing. I mean, you could decorate it as much as you wanted, depending on how much money you had. But most people of that age weren't super wealthy, at least you know your common farmers. So they just wore just like linen tunics with wool pants or something. Yeah. Not pleather. Pleather. <laughs> <laughs> I love yeah. it. Yeah. If I mean if they had leather, which which they did. They had leather. Yeah, they had but leather. if they, they had, had it, leather. they would have used it for like something else, not for a decoration or be just wearing around the house, you know, mm-hmm. or, or around exactly. the farm. Yeah. It, it had a lot more practical uses than what the T V shows mm-hmm. like to put on a character. Mm-hmm. Um, they were super I w- practical people. They were. They were very. Practical. I would say that the coloring of the the cloth and the clothing is fairly accurate. Yeah. If not, if not a tinge more dingy than it would have been. But yeah, they, they really make it a little color. darker. Yeah. But yeah, no, the coloring is is pretty accurate. I mean, I know, um, like linen fabric doesn't take darker colors as well. It's just a little bit harder to dye, but like wool, you can dye that whatever yeah. color. Like it'll mm-hmm. stick. So they could have some pretty vibrant colors if they wanted. Um, but then, you know, of course, dark, 
Vikings is a is a darker TV show, so they they dull a lot of their color schemes yeah. for visual effects. Uh, should we talk about their hair? I think we should talk about their hair. I would love to. Yes. Yes. I would love um, to do that. I, I don't have, well, now I have hair, but I have COVID mm. hair. I haven't had <laughs> hair in many, many years, but I've been reading a lot. And white people can't do dreadlocks. <laughs> no. Well, they, they can, they, but it's really nasty. It'll yeah. mat. It's not actually a dreadlock. Yeah. It's a it's, mat, and it's, it's gross. Fan. And culturally. Um, do your favorite white people. Don't yes. do it. <clears throat> yeah. Whereas people with, with much, much curly hair, they can they can wash it. They You know, it's, it's not... Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. So I mean, Vikings did do up braiding, and it could they could braid it in a way that it might look like it would be dreadlocks, but if you look at it, it's definitely not. Like it's yeah. just different styles of braiding. Um, but I think honestly, I think that Kevin down the street just wants an excuse to wear dreadlocks while he's skating around on, on his longboard. Smoking a I think, uh, I think Evan just doesn't want to wash his freaking hair. <laughs> yeah, it's probably I'm going to go on a limb there. Um, no. yeah, wash your hair, Evan! Entirely possible somebody was walking around without washing their hair and ended up with mats. But that's that wasn't the ideal. Yeah. We know this because everybody had a freaking mm -hmm. comb, or at least was buried with exactly. one. Maybe, they, yeah. maybe that was a hint. Maybe instead of uh, <laughs> that being a... They're like, you know what? If in life you didn't curl your hair, so... We're gonna bury yeah, you with make the sure you do this yeah. on it in the afterlife. <laughs> this is our way of being very passive aggressive even after yeah. death. Yeah. Um and then about the, the cut itself, there aren't actually any historical depictions or anything that the Vikings did the side back cut uh that, that you see in Oh man, that's what I've got. I though. mean yeah, it's, it's a good <laughs> modern look, you know. I, I had that mm -hmm. for a long time myself, long hair. Uh, with, with I know hat. so many people. Um, so many people with that you know, and, and it's fine. You can totally wear your hair like that in a modern context. But to say that it's historically Viking is inaccurate. Um, they mm -hmm. Well, just the upkeep. It would be, yes, they had sharp enough implements to shave, but... Would you have done it every day? Mm -hmm. Probably not. Not even, <clears throat> not even every no, Saturday. Not even every Saturday. Um, there, you know, the hair was long. They wore their hair long. They did the braids. Uh, we have plenty of pictorial evidence to suggest that uh, they did have long beards. They did have um, the mustaches. Uh, they kept them very well groomed. Uh, again, pictorial evidence suggests that. But there isn't. There is no suggestion ever of kind of the high and tight look or what whatever is being being shown now um it'd be interesting to figure out when that took off because i honestly can't recall seeing it before history channel's vikings came on so it'd be interesting to see if it is just you know the artistic directors and costumers and makeup people from that show said oh this will look good mm -hmm. or if there's something deeper to that um, i'm trying to think of depictions in the like 70s and 80s and i don't recall ever seeing that kind of mm -hmm. style in those depictions you know you think of the 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 picture of thor on the side of a, of yeah. a van you know 
and and Thor in the comic books, mm-hmm. for example, uh, he was always just long, long blonde hair. You know, there was none of the the shaving patterns or the or even braiding yeah. patterns. Um, just straight long, long blonde hair, which wild Conan the Barbarian yeah. hair. Which blonde hair? That's something else we could talk about if we wanted to delve into that today, or if we wanted to save that for a second episode. Well, I feel like. I feel like Viking hair is another full episode. Yeah, I, I think we could. We could probably check that out. So, <laughs> so we'll, we'll save we'll save more of that for later. Um, other media. What? So, uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Oh, unless someone has something else about yeah. um, history. Yeah, no. Assassin's Creed Valhalla. Then what? <laughs> I'll say it just came out. It's quite yeah. fun to play. I've enjoyed my time. Uh. But they've got that the the outfits I feel are a little bit more accurate than in the Vikings TV show. Yes. But they still definitely pander to more of the fantasy side of things. Um, when it came to like the armor and the furs. Um. So the armor would have been uh, just chainmail, hauberk, uh, a nasal helmet. Or a, um, I don't know the technical term, but the the goggle helmets the that you see sometimes, <laughs> the 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 Yermanbu helmet. The goggle it, helmet, yes. The goggle helmet. I'm going to call um, it that from now on. Yeah, do it. The goggle helmet. Um, so that that's what you would have seen a Viking with armor uh, wearing, um, and also carrying the traditional iconic round shield. Um, so you know, seeing the the patchwork leather with the um, metal bracers and um, the all the fur, all the fur That's on crazy. all the armor. Ubisoft. Um, anyway, sorry, I shouldn't, <laughs> I shouldn't call them out. <laughs> this really will be our last episode if I do that. Um, but there's a lot of very, very detailed, ornate, like etchings I've noticed on some of the. The weaponry, um, which I mean, I guess if you, I guess if you were like really, really wealthy and just had a lot of time on your hands, I can't, I don't see why you should not be allowed to carve things into your axe head. But for the most part, I feel like people who are, you know, people of the Viking age who are going out fighting or, or, or raiding, you know, they didn't really care what their axe looks like. It's going to be covered in blood soon anyway. Yeah, or broken, or broken for that matter. Uh, a lot of weapons yeah. back then broke because they weren't nearly as strong as what we exactly. have. Exactly. Yeah, I think I think for the most part, I mean, obviously, you know, weapons in, in general are pretty expensive. Axes were probably one of the more common things because they can be used for everything, like basically anything else. But as far as I can tell, like. Swords were really the only ones that were handed down from family to family because they were so dang expensive. Like, this has got to last us at least three generations because I just, I paid literally my arm and leg for it. They're gone now. (laughs) Yeah, no, swords definitely had, you know, as swords have had throughout all time, time periods and all kind of geographic locations, the sword did have a almost semi-mythical component mm-hmm. to it um especially if you look at something like the ulfbert swords uh those were uh, very very valuable i mean even today to get like a authentically made ulfbert will be 
thousand dollars probably pushing about that so yeah. yeah swords were definitely the kind of elite of the elite weapon um axes and spears were the most common um <clears throat> i believe it was um there have been norwegian law codes found i believe kind of post viking age but close enough where you can assume that it would be kind of ret- retrospective to that time period uh, where law decreed that a man had to um, travel always, or at least always be prepared with an axe, a spear, and a shield. So those were kind of the big three uh, common weapons that everyone who would be called to fight would have. Uh, and, you know, Assassin's Creed Valhalla does do a good job, to a point, of kind of representing that. Um, you know, I, when I played, I didn't see a lot of people running around with swords. There was a lot of spears, a lot of axes. Yeah. Um, what really stuck in my craw, to put it nicely, was the fact that they had two-handed swords. Hmm. Two-handed <laughs> swords did not exist. Yeah. Nah. Um, I believe two-handed swords came on the scene historically in Europe. At about the 1500s, end of the the 1400s, into the 15 and 1600s. So they are not a product of the medieval period. They're not a product of the Viking period. Uh, The the skills of metalworking just didn't exist in Europe at the time. So they couldn't make them them long enough without breaking. Is that what you're? Yeah, yeah. The they couldn't make the metal long enough and still be able to do what a a sword needed to do. the big two-handed Dane axes, though, those existed. Uh, they weren't; oh. they were not double-headed, like you see. It was only one one axe head, um, but those did exist um, and were very commonly associated as the Viking weapon um, at, at the time. In fact, the um, the royal seal of Norway is a lion holding a Dane axe. So that's kind of carried on into the the feudal period and and into the modern day um so yeah i mean assassin's creed valhalla it stylizes it it has the two-handed swords it has flails for some unknown reason yeah i noticed that and i was like huh okay well the thing the thing that bothers me about the flails is they're like the most op weapon in the game Oh, are they? I've never uh, apparently like I. Whenever I see other people playing, they're either doing an axe flail combo or a shield flail combo, and I'm like, but that wouldn't happen. Um, yeah. Is so it to give the character more reach. Oh, I don't know. Mm, not. I won't say more reach. It's it's quick. Like it's a in the game, it's a quick weapon uh, that you can get a lot of shots in, but. You know, there there must have been some discussion of, about including it, and for some reason it made it uh, made it in. So, yeah, I mean that's kind of AC Valhalla. It does some things well at kind of the very basic level. It does some things well, and at the broad level, it doesn't do a lot well. If mm-hmm. that sentence made sense, and yeah. As as a reenactor and as a historian, that it's a problematic, problematic 
uh, situation because there's just enough nuggets of fact to make it to the casual observer seem like, okay, this is all right. Yeah. And then, and then those misconceptions and perceived notions that dated back to Wagner and nationalism in the 1800s just kind of continue um, continue on indefinitely. Unless things like this, this podcast happen to kind of point out those, those little uh, inaccuracies. That's what we're here for. Yeah. Exactly. Let's take everything that you hold here. <laughs> One thing that um, we could bring up, and I suppose we could cut out if we... Um, uh, yeah, why don't we bring up, we'll bring up is, uh, one more. Is uh, the racism. The yes. myth that all the Vikings, all the people in Scandinavia were white and blonde, but we already talked about that a little bit. Yeah. But, but that everybody was white and there was never any, and they would have never encountered anybody, any people of color whatsoever, is a complete myth. Yeah, that's yeah. that's nonsense. And that they uh, would look down on those people is a complete myth. Yeah, definitely. In fact, it, uh, in National Geographic, uh, I'm looking at the article that they published on September 6, 2020, where they did a bunch, like just a bunch of DNA testing on on different graves that they had found, uh, different Viking graves they had found, and they found out like there were there were so many different ethnicities. Uh, mixed into that DNA, like it wasn't just this one pure race amalgamation because it was a different time. People didn't really give a crap about that kind of stuff, uh, and and yeah, like they went everywhere. They went as far south as northern Africa, all the way to India, uh, and then even eventually over to what is now Canada. Like they encountered so many different people. They settled mm -hmm. in very in so many different areas, they integrated into societies. Like mm -hmm. the idea that they were this one race or one culture is just so so factually uh, inconceivable. And the frustrating thing for me is the idea that well, oh yeah, so there was lots of lots of all this uh, that you're talking about uh, mixed in, but they were probably slaves. It's mm. that's also very likely a myth because more than likely. If they had slaves, which they did, which most of Europe did, they, did. they were probably from England and Ireland, if mm -hmm. anywhere. Um, mm -hmm. That's where they raided the most. They traded more farther south until they got their and they got their butts kicked by what Turkey? Uh, the Turks or the Ottoman Empire? I think uh, Ottomans are much much later. Oh, no, later. But that yeah. area down there in um, around the Mediterranean, they got their butts kicked and said. <laughs> and packing um you know so like mm -hmm. if they were taking people for slaves it was more than likely the irish english um around uh northern europe than than people of color who would have been honored they would have been traitors you know um tourists, <coughs> that kind of yeah. stuff it, yeah exactly and um the the slavery issue is probably again another episode in and of itself Oh but yeah, even the just, whole just to, put, just to put kind of a cap on on all that, we totally acknowledge, and this shouldn't even be a question. Slavery in any time at any place is wrong, incorrect, should never be celebrated. Absolutely. At in the time period of the Vikings, they 
didn't have that same understanding that we do in the 21st century of that being wrong. Alfred the Great, the great king of England, great Christian king of England, in his law codes, made laws about the treatment of slaves. So the the notion that, oh, the Vikings were so bad because they took people and they, you know, held people against their will and all that. It, and the disgusting thing is that they're honored for that in some places, which is horrendous. Um, but it's also just not true. It was culturally different. It was wrong always. And it um, wasn't racially defined. No, it wasn't racially defined at all. Uh, it was based uh, on um, military conquest, if I remember correctly. So, you know, the Vikings would take the Irish because they could easily raid and take the Irish militarily. You know, they weren't seeking out specific peoples for that purpose. Um, so any any notion of attaching Viking stigmas or anything to um, slavery in a modern context, well, not a modern context, but in the way that the nasty American people who glorify that do is just incorrect. It's wrong and should not even be considered. Um, so there's that. Um, again, we, we could do it. We could do an episode on that. Um, oh, we probably will. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but the the DNA study that you're you're talking about, Jay, it is really fascinating because it does show the the Norse peoples being part of this really kind of cosmopolitan world. Um, it shows a lot of movement, not just of Scandinavians to the rest of Europe, but Europe to Scandinavia. Uh, so people, you know, traders or maybe immigrants or migrants of some sort were traveling to Scandinavia to either trade or live or marry or whatever. Um, and that, that's the most, um, in my opinion, the most fascinating thing about that DNA study is that it really definitively proves the kind of cosmopolitan nature of the Viking world. They weren't an isolated tribe of peoples who didn't want outsiders to come near them. You know, they were part of a global trade network that stretched from uh, Iceland and uh, later periods of the Viking Age to China, in, in some cases, through, through trade networks. We're not sure if Vikings got to China themselves. But you know, they were integral to this massive global trade network um, and you know, did business with everybody. They welcomed all sorts of peoples into their homelands. They assimilated parts of foreign cultures into their cultures. Um, so yeah, the, the notion of this kind of racial snobbery and racial purity is totally Nazi BS. Uh, Mm -hmm. I can't Being wait for that Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, that, that episode, I'm going to have difficulty, difficulty being good. That one might, that one might not be an hour long. That might be a couple hours. Yeah, that, that, that might be a, a several part for, for that one. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's, uh, it's a very fascinating study. Um, How do we know they didn't drink from the skulls of their enemies? Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, so it seems so impractical. Like you can just like take a piece of wood and carve a cup out of it. It's probably yeah. much easier, much faster than a skull. 
Think about it, people. It's common sense. Yeah, I mean, you think you have a problem drinking yeah. out of a horn when you try to set that Don't down, much less unless that a poor skull? person has some serious injury. <laughs> uh, and it won't even work. Yeah. yeah. Again, in which case it would have been cracked. I, if I'm remembering cracked. correctly, and please, yeah. no one take this as fact. I could be completely wrong. Um, I, if I'm remembering anything even close to correct, I believe there's one mention of an Anglo-Saxon king drinking from a skull, but not a Viking. And this was actually pre-Viking period. So I don't know if that would have carried over somehow or, or what hmm. uh, what the deal would be with that. But that's the only thing in a source that I can vaguely remember uh, that even briefly mentions that. Um, so, yeah. But, it's just one of those fanciful things. It's like, yes, they cut off the head and they made a goblet and they drank it in the feast halls while singing songs in the winter of the frozen north. Because, again, that's probably sexier. Then they took a cow's horn and hollowed it out. And, which, even that. Mm -hmm. Poured beeswax poured into beeswax. it. And even, even that mm -hmm. perception is not entirely correct. I mean, they, they had horns. They had drinking horns. But, like, the aristocrats, they would have glass. They had glassware. Um, you know, they would have, uh, yeah, these kind of, not horn-shaped, but kind of like a funnel-shaped glassware. And that's what they would drink from. And then the common people would have horns or um, wooden goblets or things like that. So um, just another one of those. Oh, go ahead. Because, yeah, even... I'm even thinking about like how long it would take to deflect. Long time, a I'm sure. Skull, and then anyway. But <laughs> I believe we are just about at our time limit here today. But uh, thank you both so much for uh, being a part of this conversation. Uh, I have enjoyed our time, yeah. and hopefully, you, the listener, have uh, learned something, or maybe we just inspired more questions, and you can take those questions and do your your own re research um that's totally awesome if that's the case we we love to inspire uh learning and fascination about the world however we can so um if you have enjoyed this please feel free to uh drop a like or a high rating um where, wherever you're you're listening to this podcast i'm not entirely sure which channels these go on but um, if you enjoyed it, please drop a comment, a like, a, a rating. Um, we greatly appreciate those. And we will see you on the next episode of Kvasir's Corner. <laughs>